the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. We are in the house. We are tuned up. Doing our Apache chant, that sort of thing. And we're ready to get going. Hi, everybody. This is Soapy and my beautiful and lovely and wonderful friend and daughter, Stacy. Uh, wow, that's funny. We're a lot of, we're, we're, we're father and daughter. We're friends. We're brother and sister in Christ. We're, you know, we're. And, and, and I'm grandpa and your uh, mom. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, yeah, oh. well, relationships change so, over the time, don't right. they? And you were just asking me how well I know myself. And uh-huh. I thought that was an interesting question. Just when I think I do, though, I'm a different, I'm an, another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, it uh, is a moving target. It's a, it is a little bit. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, you have to know yourself in in different roles and but i think I, I i guess at the core at the heart of who you are you kind of adapt to different i wonder how people titles. do uh most people john how how uh i don't know you don't have a mic there but we were just talking about uh, i was asking stacy how um self-aware and I'm not talking about situational awareness like mom talks about all the time that mm. I don't have situational awareness <laughs> and so on. Uh, but she's, uh, but the idea of how would you say on a scale of one to ten, how well would you say you know yourself, your tendencies, your personality, your strengths, Strength. your weaknesses, your that sort of thing? I would have to say probably at least. Uh, See. We can hear Just you off the top of my head, uh, probably a seven. Eight. Really? Okay. Oh, okay. Probably as we grow a little older, we I'm start. Now, so yeah. Good. Well, that's what I'm saying. Forty. Wiser. Fifty. The, before that, I think in our twenties and thirties, we're so busy living, just responding day to day with, mm-hmm. with life, its demands, its trans, you know, the, well, the jobs, that, the this, the that. that age, the, when you're like say in your teens or twenties, you haven't really become. That's person. right. And it's a, yeah, it's a little bit more probably difficult, but I don't think it's, it's also the, the, the thing of being younger. You don't, you're, you're fixed into, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, I guess we get into the nature nurture. Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just some know, when extent. you do take those, um, which is true. When, when you take those tests though, personally, I think they tell you to try and remember 
yourself as a child. So just very is that right? Unadulterated, just uh, how mm-hmm. how you're very you're very just natural impulses. And yeah, that's why they mostly want you to not do a lot of an when you're taking one of those mm-hmm. where you have four options, mm-hmm. four words or something. They say, well, that you're you're just go with your instinct. Like what you kind of yeah. natural. And if you st- spend a lot of time thinking, oh, well, I'm a, well, sometimes I'm, yeah, you know, then then it, it right, kind of messes right. up a little bit, I guess. But yeah, I was just curious about that because um, yeah, I don't know if there's any particular biblical reason I was well, thinking no, of it. Well, no, I think there is. I think um, I mean it gets a little bit to the heart of the most one of the most basic uh-huh. uh, for spiritual laws. Yeah, at the very core of all human nature are we basically good or are we basically evil i mean that's one of the first things i think we have to know about ourselves is yeah am i am i in right relationship am i on this on god's side or am i am i for him or am i against him what what i mean is and am i and um and so i think i think that's one of the first things we have to know true about ourselves is are we in need of saving or are yeah, we do basically I need, evil? Yeah, exactly basically right. Good? Exactly right. It's, it's, so there is that. There are all those four spiritual laws that, that are principles. Uh, they're not just an evangelistic, evangelistic tool or evangelistic right. presentation. They really the are. Mm-hmm. They are really fundamental, basic truths about our human existence. Right. True about uh, God, what's true yeah. about God, what's true about us, and what's true about the world. And then what God has religion. done for us mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be able to answer that question, mm-hmm. to be uh, forgiven, to be cleansed, to be restored, mm-hmm. renewed, and to enter into a, uh, a, a living our lives in relationship with God, walking in, and having him work in us and with us and through us and around us to transform our lives. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of uh, walking without that in mind, you know. In other words, that this world is all there is, and this is this is it, and all, with all the implications of that, which are. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is a lot of times I don't think a lot of times people actually do a lot of critical thinking. I, I don't know. It seems like one of the things that people do is that they uh, they just don't think about it. You know, I mean, surely God enters their consciousness uh, through nature, through all the, he reveals himself, but you know, they dismiss it or they don't spend time on it. They don't make it a priority and they just go through life sort of bouncing from one experience to another and not, not deeply critically thinking about it. And, and that, that reminds me of that. Um, mm-hmm. Something that reminds you from Narnia. I'm <laughs> no, almost certain. No, not this time. Okay. That, uh, and they go through quiet pain, living fear yeah. to fear. Yeah, living fear to fear. Quiet, yeah. quiet. What is People quiet? need the Lord. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. it's an old, uh, wonderful, beautiful uh-huh. song. Living lives of quiet desperation. Uh huh. That's think. another quote from uh-huh. a famous. Uh, what was? Who was that? Bacon or? Some uh, most people live lives of quiet desperation. Uh, it sounds like a wolf, Ralph. <laughs> Emerson, Emerson, so, Emerson. No, it wasn't a poet. It was a, it was a, in fact, I don't believe it was, I, I think that that quote comes not from a believer. It's from a, 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 a person, you know, it's an American uh, early in the uh, uh, okay. colonization period and one who was kind of famously not a believer, but it was Thoreau. Thoreau. Yes. Um, Walter, no, no, no. Yes, uh, Henry David Thoreau. Uh-huh, the mass okay. of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Yeah, without without a lot of uh, thinking and, and 
But I, I, I don't know anymore. I think hard times, difficulties, life, uh, everyone at some point bumps into God. You know, they, they can, they, God enters their consciousness in so many ways, general revelation of himself, uh, nature, you know, creation around us or through small things being the mega, mega view, the stars, the sun, the moon and the seasons, or even down to the atoms, moleculars, babies, watching your babies born. And it makes us go, wow, this is such an amazing existing world that we live in. And so you have, uh, you know, the creation, uh, that we that uh, we are part of, and then you have conscience, consciousness, this special awareness we have as human beings that we we we're not subject to simply living by instinct. We actually have this thing of will. We can we can analyze our daily lives and think, hmm, I have three three paths I could follow here. If I follow this path, this is going to happen. If I follow that path, hmm, this is probably going to happen. If I follow this path, you know. And so we, we can step away out of ourselves in a way and objectify our surroundings, our environment. Whereas the animals, for example, don't do that. They just react instinctively to their surroundings as part of their surroundings, as part of the uh, environment. They instinctively responding to the things that, no. They bump into. Now that does remind me of Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get to Narnia eventually. Well, yeah, because you had the animals that didn't have that gift. Right. They were just animals that just by instinct. Did, and then you had these talking, reasoning. Yes, and remember, Aslan said though, if you don't practice the thoughtfulness, if you don't use that ability, you'll will, lose it. You'll regress and yeah. become like an animal again. The, and so, yeah, and interesting. Probably, uh, you know, I'm sure he was speaking to humans, and and that, I mean, yeah, Lewis, the author yeah. was well, yeah, warning us as well. Exactly. So yeah, it, it's a it's an important theme. But uh, anyway, we're just talking about a conversation we had on the way to the elevator, and yes. I was just yeah, yeah, it was I'm just our elevator talk because <laughs> I was yeah, I was I was praying for you and the family this week, oh, and, it, right. and it got me to thinking about you guys, and and then I, I thought to myself about I wonder. Because you don't talk about yourself a lot. I think it all led to actually, Stacey, did you know that you're actually late quite a bit? <laughs> that was all your very, well, that very was roundabout one, way to tell me that I need to be more A roundabout functional. way, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't like but, to do that either. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't okay. like to be the uh, the Holy Spirit in other people's lives or anything. <laughs> but you're my daughter, so we, we talk about each other. And I've, I've got a lot of areas to grow into, so it's not a problem. I I, I used to tend to be like quite a bit, but somehow or other, uh, uh, I, I matured. I grew up. <laughs> you will too. There is hope stage. Somehow you're not as late as you usually are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not as late as I used to be. But uh, anyway, we are back. We we had a, a great week of reading. We finished up the gospel of Matthew on Monday evening of this past week, we read Matthew chapters 26 through 28. And those are really some powerful passages. Uh, and, and in some ways they segue really neatly and, and logically into uh, the book of numbers. We, we've already read the book of Genesis, Exodus and Leviticus this year, starting in November and we've read now the finish the gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. Now we're going to transition back uh, to, all, you know, we alternate back and forth between the Old and New Testaments. And we're going to alternate back to transition back to the Old Testament and pick up it uh, after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We're going to 
we left the people of Israel there camped at the base of Mount Sinai after having been delivered out of Egypt, uh, uh, out of uh, slavery, out of bondage. Uh, and now we, there's upwards, of, I've heard a lot of estimations about how many, maybe a, uh, one and a half to two million people camped at the base of Mount Sinai. And uh, Moses is there le- as a leader. They're developing tribal, you know, different tribes of Israel. They're divide- developing their, you know, they're, they're kind of organizing as a, now, uh, you know, they've kind of become a mob of slaves over 400 years. And, and But they still retain a little bit of their organization by tribes, the different children of uh, Jacob or of Israel, uh, whose name was changed to Israel. And so they've been there kind of uh, reorganizing in some ways, but also recuperating this special vision of who they are as a people, that they are, they are uh, God's people. They're the people of God that have come in, into relationship with. He has revealed himself. He's made promises to their forefathers. And they're kind of recuperating that sense of identity, that sense of belonging to God, being God's people. And, and the... And the responsibility that that brings to them to follow God, obey God, trust God, and to uh, and to be a witness to be a be a constant a reminder to the world around them, the country to be that the of the true and living God, the one God. And so they're they're recuperating down there that vision of who they are there, uh, and it's particularly in that spiritual dimension of life, but also uh, as we have said several times, God is doing a little nation building. Mm-hmm. And there, and that understanding of who you are, and, and that basic understanding of of who God is, and that we live in a world that, that that God is at work in, that God is here, He is present, He's working, He's in a. Or we could live and take the other path that well, we're just here with another country. We we can go to war, we can go to battle, we can do this, we can do that. How are we going to? live our lives with a vision of God and with a spiritual dimension in mind or without that. And of course, that's a fundamental decision that we all individually make ourselves in our own lives. Uh, But here they are uh, camped at the base of Mount Sinai. That's where we left them after the book of Leviticus. We went back to Matthew, uh, jumped ahead 1,500 years to the Messiah coming, the Redeemer, the Savior that had been predicted all through the Old Testament. And we looked at the life of Jesus as he presented himself to Israel in his time. uh, They had pretty much forgotten about the true and living God. Uh, They were very religious still, but it wasn't an accurate understanding of who God was and what he's doing and, and, and and his redemptive plan that through the Messiah and so on, they had become very ethnocentric and maybe it's a good kind of analysis. They were still going through the same identity questions about themselves, even 1500 years later, uh, as the, in some ways the children of Israel were going through, uh, at Mount Sinai, they were kind of, okay, how are we going to live? How are we going to, how are we going to exist on what terms are we going to exist now as a people group, as a nation, yeah. Uh, uh, is God there? I mean, it was... It's so very much mm-hmm. uh, the picture of salvation. I mean, for a person yeah. coming out of bondage and slavery, and you're a new person, you're a new creation. Yeah, you're a, a free new, people uh, now, new reality, yes. new, yeah, everything. And, and yet it's still 
hard. I mean, it, uh, that adjustment can be, can be difficult while we still live in this fallen world, while we still have the world, the flesh, the devil, and uh-huh. the tendencies and the habits to revert back to slavery, you know, revert back. To- oh, yeah. It, it is. It's so interesting, uh, this phase of life that we're going to study now as we move into the book of Numbers. Mm-hmm. They're going to leave Mount Sinai. Uh, and we read about it this this week, past week, starting on Tuesday. Uh, they they leave out from Mount Sinai uh, in the early chapters. Um, they then they take a census. They kind of uh, it, it's sort of a mixture of both worlds. Here you are, the people of God. That God's with you. He's in your midst with the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. God is with them. He's in the He's liberated them. Mm-hmm. Now they're walking with under His leadership and. And his provision, we're going to see uh, manna mm-hmm. and, and quail. God is going to provide for them in the in the desert, in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And uh, move out, and they're supposedly going to go, God promised their forefathers uh, the land of Canaan, mm-hmm. the pro- what we call the promised land, and through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. And they remember it was under Jacob they went down into Egypt, and so they've lost that connection but they still have that promise to their forefathers that this he was going to give this land to them and they had made a purchase there was some legality to it they knew they had bought some of that land and, and so on. It, they did own it legally and prospectively and so uh, here they are now going back to enter into that promise to trust God that he's going to do that uh, remember, and look in Genesis chapter 15, folks, if you don't exactly remember, uh, God had told them there's going to be 400 years. You're going to be in bondage to another people. Uh, he told uh, Abraham this, but in Genesis chapter 15, and it all has happened now, and he's bringing them back to Canaan. And now it's their role. They're, they're supposedly now they're reminded of these promises, who they are, what God is doing in them, with them, through them. And they're supposed to go ahead and trust him to go into the to the land of Canaan, into the promised land, but they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mess up. And so that's basically that's the book of Numbers as we get into it. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it uh, around this. Uh, our our next break is coming up. But let's just see if we can't fig- um, finish out a little bit, Stacy. our considerations and, considerations and thoughts about the gospel of Matthew. We, here we have. The Messiah has come. He's uh, He knows who he is. He's come through a process of growth and understanding and growing in favor and grace and favor with God and man. Uh, he's, he's come by faith in God's word, in the witness and testimony of his parents, as he has walked by faith into his uh, calling uh, to be that one, that one special Redeemer, Savior, Messiah, that, that uh, perfect man of faith. So he's walked by faith into that into that identity. He's living it out, walking with God and obeying God and trusting the Father. And then uh, he there comes a time in his life. He's age thirty, around there. He takes the step of formally uh, and publicly moving in to that um, that role of the Messiah. He he's known it before. He knew it at age twelve, even. So he's been growing. He's been learning. He's been uh, progressing, waiting for the Father to show him 
when and how he is to step into that public role and present himself uh, to Israel, to the people, to the nation, uh, as the Messiah. And and uh, we, we we read about that in Matthew and some of the, the other Gospels as well, this beginning. There's this wedding, and his his mom kind of gives him a gentle shove toward, you know, you know the nouns of time. And uh, he evidently, God was working in her and with her, through her, to kind of help guide him. And and he, by faith, stepped into the role. He went, uh, he, he did this first miracle publicly that mm-hmm. that got people's attention. And then he went to his cousin, second cousin, John the Baptist, formally presenting himself to the Levite, to the, his brother, his cousin, John was the Baptist, was a Levite. So he did all things legally and according to the law of God. He presented himself for baptism as he inaugurates his ministry for purification. And then he goes into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan uh, there with the three temptations. We All of this is in Matthew. And he just, we, but the whole, the gist of Matthew is, uh, seeing Jesus as the uh, Savior of Israel, the King of Israel. Mm-hmm. Christ the King mm-hmm. is the general theme because Matthew is presenting his understanding now. He has come to know uh, Jesus, the Messiah, as he understands now that he is that long-awaited Messiah. So he writes essentially targeting uh, with his writing the people of Israel, uh, fellow Jewish people, saying, the Messiah has come. This was who he was. This is what he did. This is why he did it. And giving the evidence that he understands to be that shows that, that demonstrates clearly that Jesus was that Messiah. So that's the whole gist of it. Now we come to these final chapters, 26, 27, 28. And it, of course, they, it's about his ultimate work of the Messiah. They expected a military, economic, social Messiah who's going to lead them as a people group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Jesus kept telling them over and over, no, my kingdom is not that kind of kingdom. I'm not here to overthrow Rome uh, and, and liberate you and you know make Israel the center of the universe again or whatever. I, that's not, my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. I've come, and it's not just about you, a, pers- a, a little commun- a people group, you know, nation, a people, a language or whatever. It's about the whole world. And it always had been that way, but they, because of what we see here at Mount Sinai and numbers and all, and their, their relationship to this vision they have as God's people, the general tendency was quite often for it to become very self-oriented, very ethnocentric. It's we and us. And, and they begin to define Israel down to just, just we and those, you know, a, a genetic or, uh, biological ancestry and so on, or or just the ones who are like us, and, and in some ways it was that because it Israel, true Israel throughout the Bible, is about the people of God, not just uh, from one ethnic group or another, but all who look for, long for, seek, and trust in the true and living God. Uh, they that is spiritual realm of Israel, and those who were understanding that and. And that you know they met Jesus when he came, they 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 made the transition. Others were unable at that time immediately to make that transition. You have uh, Jesus himself; his disciples were all Jewish. Um, all almost all the early believers were Jewish, but not all. There were Romans. There were uh, other people, other countries, other other nations. 
people group uh, and individuals from other people groups who trusted God. But uh, essentially, most of the early believers were out of that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, group that had that had the background to understand the Messiah and so on. And then it exploded at his death and resurrection. It exploded out of Israel uh, under the, the leadership of the apostles. And then, of course, this incredible individual named Saul, who was an enemy of the gospel, who God called and revealed himself to him, and and he and he trusted God. He saw that he was kicking against the goads. That he was a very religious uh, Jewish uh, person, but he realized now that he, he had cho- he, he had missed the Messiah. That indeed he was who he said he was. He he began to follow Jesus. He went through a period of growth and maturity, and then he was instrumental in a big way to helping to take this message of the gospel out of Israel, out of the confines of geographic Israel, exploded across the Roman Empire, and uh, thousands and thousands uh, began to come to faith and understand who God was and that the Messiah and began to trust. So uh, we see all of that in the Gospel of Matthew. He shows us that. But in these last chapters, I'm trying to stop talking, Stacy. but <laughs> it was all about uh, that the, the Lord's Supper. They ate together, his arrest in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, his uh, trial. He was convicted. He was uh, condemned to death. He was hung on a cross. Uh, and he rose from the dead. And then he talked to his disciples and said, take this now, this a new understanding of this gospel, this message. Take it now to the ends of the earth. Live it out and carry that message. And so so ends the, the gospel of Matthew. It's, it's a beautiful gospel. It, it's kind of just a, a, you can tie a ribbon on it. It's very clear. And it has a, at the end, it sends us on into the future. Now to be the the people of God, uh, the 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 church now. So anyway, there's our music. How about that? We kind of used up our first segment there, just kind of recapping Matthew. Uh, we finished that book, and we've gone now into the book of Numbers. Okay. You want to say? Well, I'll say I'll say it coming back in. I okay. Have one little more thought on Matthew. You won't want to miss what Stacy has to oh, say yeah. about the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> When the Bible Live returns, our phone number is 210-340-9585. You're welcome to join in the conversation as we walk through the Bible together here on the Bible Live broadcast. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. 
Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What a wonderful passage and what a wonderful reminder, uh, John, that that remembering who we are is always important remembering we have such a strong tendency as human beings uh, here we are in the 21st century many centuries you know 2000 years later after Jesus was here and 1500 years before uh, the period we're talking about here with Moses and the people of Israel and so on and yet we still have these fundamental mm, struggles that we have as human beings uh, to make that choice, oh, who are we and what is really going on here on planet Earth? What is reality? Is there a spirit? Well, I guess one of the most fundamental questions we, we have to come to understand, even as children grow, is, is this world all there is? We get so caught up in every detail of our own lives and in, in this, responding to this and that and the other and trying to fight for our position and, our, and so on. Uh, our our security and our you know make our way in this world and we get locked into this the events of the, or is there something beyond it is there is there a spiritual dimension that we that we are part of are we spiritual beings uh do we um or are we just our bodies and we just you know we're here to grab all the gusto we can get you know and all the advertisements and just live entirely with this world. And that's one of the first decisions I think we kind of make as children. We, uh, in some way, we bump into God, either perhaps through our parents, perhaps just going to a summer camp or vacation. Uh, you go and see the ocean or see the beautiful mountains, and we we bump into this world. Is there more? Is there, What is this all about? And uh, so that, that searching of that question I ask you in the elevator, you know, how well are you getting to know yourself? Because I know you walk and uh, you you believe there is a spiritual realm and you're part of it and we're locked into it and we know God and we're walking with him. Uh, but we still struggle to stay aware of that. We, the world is full of distractions. And uh, it, that's, I, I think, one of the areas of maturity that we get with maturity and age and, and as we grow in faith, we be, we can become more consistently living our lives out with eternity in mind, with our identity as God's people in mind. That's something we have to do now, and that's what God is now doing with the nation, with the people group of Israel. Are they going to now exist as a people group, as a nation, just like all the other nations, you know, making war and doing this and doing that, and or are they going to be unique people that worships True and living God that is good that that treats each other with respect and with and following the laws that God has given them and so on. So it, it's 
this is a picture as we look in as we turn from Matthew into the to book of Numbers. It's a picture then of this book of Numbers of of our own personal and and uh, societal mm-hmm. struggle as well to walk in mm-hmm. which world, which worldview is going are we going to choose and seek to walk in, and 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 how is God going to help us and guide us and 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 help us to walk consistently as God's people. But you had a thought about, and we talked about uh, a final thought. Another thought. uh, uh, On the gospel. I have two thoughts. Now you have two thoughts. Wow. You're rich. You have two (laughs) thoughts. No, but I I wanted to hear your your thought there. You know, we're talking about kind of closing the book of Matthew off and now moving back to the book of Numbers. One, I just, I love your, if anybody is joining us this week or, or today, we go through and read in the Bible in a year. And maybe since this is the beginning of the new year, many of you are choosing to go through the Bible, read the whole Bible. I love your uh, reading plan. I, I love mm. it. Every time I just think it's so neat how we're going from Matthew to Numbers. And uh, how one segues to the other. Yes, it seems that I've noticed that over the, the years. And the old just uh, weave together so beautifully. Yeah. I wish I could take, I, I wish I could take credit for that, for doing it for some really incredible oh, wow. intellectual no, reason or spiritual credit. reason. <laughs> I think God takes but credit I think, for this one. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if you knew the story of how it happened yeah. and how we chose this, uh, it was a God thing. Yeah. And I've been told by, well, many people, um, from both Jewish and Hebrew and uh-huh. Christian uh, backgrounds. Wow, that it sure flows well. It that does. They fit it together really well. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, when you're talking about numbers, and maybe this has come out a couple of times actually throughout um, our readings, but again, I just see it how so much of the gospel too is, is for everyone, and it's also for you. For each one. <laughs> each one. Each everyone, and everyone. And yes, yeah. <laughs> it really is. And I with with Matthew, you know, he is emphasizing, I think that I mean Jesus is he is the king of all. He is, and I love how he starts with the genealogies. I mean, to them and to the Jewish culture, that would have that's a huge deal. You know, you uh, you Soapy dollar, do not know who you're. You know nothing. Mm-hmm. I you don't, don't know who really. your mom and dad are. You don't have. I know, know nothing. You know, as Schultz used to say. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, I'm sorry. You know <laughs> nothing about who your parents are, and, <laughs> and not even quite nothing. You know a little. You have yeah. kids, but you do not know who your parents True. are. You do not know your genealogy, uh, and uh, you know. But what if somebody? <clears throat> what if somebody <laughs> uh, my like daughter, your daughter, for example, maybe? were able to go and trace back i always think i mean you're you're full-blooded as mm-hmm. far as we know and what we we do know is you are mescalero apache and you know that that would probably i don't think would be too difficult to to find out who your parents are actually yeah. evidently and, you've been finagling a little bit and we'll, I am. We'll, I'm kind we're going to vacation <laughs> in new mexico <laughs> down very close to the apache reservation like and i bet we that. can make another connection i've been there several times uh-huh. in the past and yes. learned a little and they've been helpful they really are they've yeah. been very encouraging and helpful to me in that uh, maybe helping me find out who the the biological mother was yes. uh, and so on and they are a matrilineal um, people actually mm-hmm. the Mescalero Apache and so mm-hmm. who, who your mother would be is a great start and they follow. do have some records uh, of the tribe it's not a uh, living uh, on the reservation the, the Apache tribe was 
is a little smaller than perhaps, for example, the Navajo tribe. I mean, huge. Oh, yes. The Mescalero Apache at the time of your birth uh-huh. would have been only about 4,000 yeah. people. Living on the reservation. Living on yeah. the reservation. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not that many to choose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's a, I think it's a, But in I'm my mind, what's yeah. kind of funny, and oh, I don't know about silly, but in my mind, I think, oh, that'd be so neat if you're related to Geronimo. Yeah, of course. Know, it's my famous, story. Right? I, well, Matthew. I'm goes, tempted to claim it anyway. anyway just you know, yeah. make up my own story, right? Well, because in terms of Mescalero Apache world, I mean, Geronimo's yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, here you got you have Matthew, and he goes back. You know, we're trying to just find how many, three generations back is mm-hmm. who we're doing. He goes back 41 generations. So it's 42 generations. Jesus is the 42nd mm-hmm. generation. He goes back 40 generations and, and Jesus direct lineage to Abraham. I mean, talk mm-hmm. about, he's the Geronimo of all Geronimo. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> and that's good. We just mentioned Genesis 15 right. and, and Abraham is the beginning of this covenant relationship. Right. Not, not there. It's not about an, hmm. Purely an ethnic group, right? Right, exactly. Just about a descendant. It's right. really actually a lineage of faith, yes. not so much uh, genetic, but right. it, it does have a genetic and, expression. And, Abraham, and, Isaac, Jacob. And in this case, at the heart of that is a promise. And so it's not so much that Jesus is, okay, yes, absolutely. He is the direct descendant of Abraham, but really the direct descendant of this promise. Mm-hmm. He is the promised Messiah. He is the promised one. And, uh, and, I, and, that, and that promise carried through and is the fulfillment as well. I think I've read somewhere commentary about how Matthew's book is all about promise and fulfillment over and over. Jesus is the promised one. He is the promise. And then oh, that's over got, and that's over got to be a very good system. line of thinking because it's clearly an aspect. Of, even Matthew himself is very careful to he constantly mentioning these promises, these right. predictions right. about the Messiah and how they and the took flesh in, in right. Jesus. Yeah. And then you go into number, and then you start talking though, I, I, identity and personalizing. Okay. How now then do I fit into, he is the King. He is the Messiah. And then you go into, well, Jesus's call specifically though to you uh-huh. <laughs> and being counted in, in that being grafted into um, that same identity into those yeah. same promises, and uh, I it just, does take a lifetime it, to begin to yeah. it, it, uh, to internalize that identity, that who we are and what we're doing, how we live, and so on. My but, second thought was that reminds me of the Jean Valjean. Uh-huh, 24601. Uh-huh. Who am I? <laughs> but oh, really? That's, uh, oh, yeah, you're talking about the musical song, version. The, yeah. un, the musical version. Oh, I'd love to I gotta hear that. beautiful song. There's that time when Jean Valjean is, he has, he's no longer a prisoner, but he still has the tattoo of uh-huh. his prison days. And when he was in prison, he was a number. He wasn't a name. He was 24601, not Jean Valjean. Well, years out of, he's out of prison now for... Yeah. While and he's established himself as his Spent name. Spent 20 years in prison and he gets out. Yeah. And now he's Jean Valjean and he's forgotten. But then he gets mistaken. Somebody finds a, another, they think they, 
Jean Valjean still um, wanted by, you know, Javert, the uh-huh, law. Uh-huh. And uh, Javert thinks he's caught Jean Valjean, but it's this other guy who's completely innocent. And Jean Valjean is before the court and he can either come forward and say, that man cannot be Jean Valjean, uh, 24601, I'm 24601. Or is it, so it's this internal struggle of if he makes of his identity, of his identity and saving, making, you know, if he steps forward, then he saves this man from uh-huh. being convicted and going to falsely, con- uh, falsely. wrongly con- mm-hmm. convicted. Yeah. Or he can just kind of quietly not, uh, and, can, and not reveal and his not, past, I guess. Right. Anyway, and so I don't a- know about that part because I haven't actually read the book or you've you've I don't know if you've read the book, but you've seen the play with her more completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's talking about um, okay. Les Miserables, the, this Miserables. classic book uh, and story about Victor this Hugo, guy, Jean Valjean, who mm-hmm. escapes from prison. He's angry. He's resentful. He's wants revenge. 20 years wrongfully uh Convicted and put well, in prison. Not wrong, but he stole. No, no, he did steal, Fred. but but twenty years. Right, my goodness, right. you know, yeah, a wrongly punished, I'd say yes. maybe, and 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 he comes out. He's angry. He's resentful. He rebel. Almost certainly going to go back to prison because he wants this revenge. On, yeah, mm-hmm. but then he meets this couple that treat him with respect, with love, mm-hmm. with forgiveness, priest, accepting him mm-hmm. by by uh, him and respecting him, and that. It's 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 kind of about the transforming power of love and uh, and and forgiveness and forgiveness mm-hmm. and and he he is born again. I mean, the a good number of these old classic books oh, so are, are really do have a strong uh, picture of the gospel right. well, narrative. And no, the, the uh, biblical narrative within them. Right, because they end a, a basic, I think, correct understanding of human nature. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that yeah. historically there has been a, a much better understanding of of human nature. Maybe it wasn't biblical. I mean, they didn't they didn't write it necessarily as Christian, but it was biblical. But they recognize the reality of this is right. true of human yeah. people. Anyway, that we do have this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just wanted to know who, if you want to kind of trace the idea of this, it's in that book or that play, Les Miserables. And Jean Valjean is the main character, I guess. Yes. And it's it's about the redemptive, really. The re, mm-hmm. it has that redemptive story that within it, uh, like quite a bit like the classic book. Uh, uh, what's the one about uh, mm, Count of Monte Cristo? Oh, yeah. The Count of Monte Cristo is another great classic, but but it has that redemptive narrative mm-hmm. that mythic kind of kind of the. <laughs> yes. the Right. The, uh, the redemptive plan kind of as part of the book. Mm-hmm. A lot of the older great classics had that as well. And, and maybe even some of the, the Matrix, you think <laughs> some of the modern things, are, they have it there. If you if you can have eyes to see it, yeah. you can make, make the point out of it for sure. Well, let's go from Matthew then. And we, we, we can always talk about it again. But let's uh, slip over to the book of Numbers. I've given a little bit of background to it. Uh, now we they're at the base of Mount Sinai as we open the book. It's the fourth book of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then the book of Numbers. And then the, we'll get into the book of Deuteronomy. We'll go now we'll we'll read Numbers and Deuteronomy and our if you go to our website, thebiblelive.com, 
you can hear. Uh, I'll, I'll read daily Monday through Friday, every weekday, a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures. We'll move right on through the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. Uh, we'll give that background and, and then you actually hear the, the Bible itself. And so I really want to encourage you to join with us, walk through the scriptures with us, uh, find time each day to go to the website and listen to that uh, 15 to 20 minute uh, reading. And we'll read together and go through the entire Bible together every year. Um, so we just started, we, we picked up in the early chapters. We know that uh, it's the fourth book of, of Moses. Uh, it's about, they're leaving now Mount Sinai. Uh, they've accomplished what they need to there. And they're ready now to to leave the, and go up and enter into Canaan. And uh, so we looked, what, what are we, the, why is it called the book of Numbers? And it's because they take a census, as you mentioned earlier, Stace. They they um, they try to get a count now of the number of men, twenty years old and over, to, to uh, kind of get a sense of if, if they may have to go to war, they may have to battle. They are surrounded by uh, enemy nations and and so on, and they uh, so they. They get that number. They're now, directed to do that. Now, did they get in trouble for it? This no, not, no, not, not this, this census one. because they were instructed to. Okay. God had told them to do it, and they did it. Now, now, what? when did they get in trouble? Well, that was uh, quite a bit later. I think there were maybe even a couple of instances, but uh, I think you're thinking of King David when he, at the end of his reign, okay. he took a census uh, some, you know, centuries later here. Uh-huh. He took a census, okay. a census, and and uh, they were commanded not to. Okay. And even his commanding general warned him, said, "Well, we're not supposed to do that." And and we can talk about why that was, uh, maybe when we get to David's story. But he tried. This was actually uh, they this were commanded okay. to do it, okay. and they uh, and it gives the actual count from each tribe. And the total was um, the total of the first census. Was six hundred and three thousand five hundred and fifty people, wow. which is, um, and we're talking about the the men, uh-huh. twenty years old and older, not the women and not the younger right. children. And that's why I do again, just my my plug real quickly again mm-hmm. for going from Matthew to Numbers. You know, Matthew that big picture sort of macro, and then to Numbers, which is exacting. 603,550. <laughs> yeah, like it's I know. just so specific and each one counts and yes. very personal. And I, I think that's a really neat. It's one of the great, to me, it, it it's the great, one of the great mysteries of, even of the Bible and the narrative. Is it, we talked about it before, you, you have this 30,000 30,000 feet in the air view and we can look God is working the whole world and so on. Mm -hmm. And then we know we're somehow part of that whole big process, but also it comes down, we can read the scriptures and God is speaking to me, Uh my life and my relation, my wife, my husband, my family, my children, my neighbors, my, my job, you know, and we, and we can glean understanding and, and, and steps of growth and, and obedience and trust and faith for individual right. consumption, for our, uh, our, our, our family, our group, a little larger, our nation, our, our city, our community, our nation and the world. It's all, there's all kinds of applications that we can make and see and learn. Uh, and, and that is just, that's astounding to yeah. me. It, it's, 
Yeah, it reminds, and not to get to, I'll let uh-huh. you, I know we don't have much, much time left on this segment, but it reminds me too, like in Revelation, you know, because sometimes huge numbers are put out there. I mean, even when we think about our debt, right, with mm-hmm. the, you know, it's in the trillions. Once you start talking, talking about trillions, our, our, national our national debt, economic our, debt. Yeah, oh boy. you know, it's in the, and at one, at some point you're just kind of like, it's, it might as well not even be a specific number. It's just kind of huge. <laughs> you could just sort of that's make it. Funny. It's, I, it's just, that's what I, but you know, in, 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 in a way in revelation, the people of God and, and who is worship is sometimes referred to kind of in these un, unmeasurable, like yeah. as many as the stars, you can't count it. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you know, John says very specific numbers. And I, I love that. On one hand, it is yeah. as many as the stars, but at the same time, it is a specific number. It's not just kind of yeah. some obscure, not really quite sure it could change. Like it is a specific number yeah. and you are a part of that number and God knows that number and it's not too big for him. Yeah. So it's vast and immeasurable yet completely but measurable. you're never <laughs> reduced to being just a number. Right, right. You, you are still oh, you. Absolutely. God deals with you individually. Yes. And it, it, yeah. Anyway, sorry. You can get easily overwhelmed by some of these thoughts, but because our God is so great and so loving. I was talking to our neighbor uh, across the street, our real good friends, good friends and neighbors who love the Lord. And we were talking about this the other day, how it, sometimes when you contemplate it, the greatness and the goodness of God and his plan and, and how uh, it, it's just mind boggling. And you end up kind of being overwhelmed with mm-hmm. the grand, you know, the greatness of it. The and weight of glory. In our, yeah. <laughs> in our little place in that, mm-hmm. that puzzle. Uh, and it can be, uh, I was telling them if I ever have a crisis of faith anymore, which I don't think I really do, but just if I <laughs> quite often, it's not anymore the things I, it's not that I can't believe it. It's that I can't understand them. They're, they're just so much greater, so much better, so much more beautiful. So sure. then I can, and I sometimes think, well, maybe this is just good to, too good to be true. <laughs> you know, that, it, that, and yet that is there too. It all comes together to show that it is indeed true. Right. You know, it meets every need, both personally, individually, family, community, it meets every need and requirement that you would expect mm-hmm. the gospel, a message, the redemptive plan of God, as we understand mm-hmm. you, as we would expect it to have in a world like we live in. It's, it's, it is amazing. Well, let's see, we've got just a couple of minutes to end up. We, we started uh, numbers. They're there. They're, they're down there in Mount Sinai. They, they take this census. They find out how strong they are, or their military presence, at least. 20, uh, young men, 20 years old and over. And then they are called to go up to uh, uh, the promised land. They begin to move out. Remember the, the tabernacle is in their midst. God is with them. He has promised his presence. In, and there's that pillar of fire by night and a, pillar, a cloud by day and a fire by night. God's walking with them. He is accompanying them, escorting them up to the promised land. Um and they were camped around that tabernacle, uh, God's presence. Uh, what else can we mention that kind of that tells us about as they leave the camp? Now they break camp and move up toward Canaan. Um, they're pre- they're preparing for war with the census that was taken. They're marching. They're organized around the tabernacle by tribes. 
uh, knowing who what tribe went in front and went in the in the front. I think it was the tribe of Judah, which was one of the largest tribes and more powerful. Uh, they were there in the front. Some some military considerations and who knows other considerations that might have been involved in the placement. God tells them where to, where to march, where they're going to be as they move out. And the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their midst is pictured by the tabernacle. He's with them, escorting them, and, and guiding them on the trip up to Canaan. Uh, they're prepared for war, for conflict. Uh, and uh, But they're moving out on the promise that they were going to go back into the promised land. Now we're going to come back in our final segment and we'll say, how did that go? Did they do it? Did they get it in? We know. Uh, in fact, that they don't. And we'll figure out, we'll talk about why they don't go in. And they end up having to now spend 40 years walking in the wilderness, which is a lot of the book of Numbers as well. It's those 40 years that they have to be there. And talking about the uh, the genealogy of Jesus, 42 groups, 3 times 14. There the 42 stops in the wilderness divided up into these three 14 groups. So anyway, we'll come back and talk about it. Hopefully take your call if you have a comment or uh, an idea for us that you want to share an experience with the scriptures or, uh, here in the book of Numbers or others, join with us. 210 310-340-9585. A place to lay my head So many parables in the scriptures But this one I'm doomed to tell If I storm the gates of heaven I'll find myself in hell This is my lonely mission the world up to its fate to dismantle my own invention for the hours get late this holy book of numbers as we walk through the shadow of death you're listening to the bible live with sophie dollar This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Got to bring a little culture to this program, a little uh, beautiful Friend. music from the classical world. Yeah. What's her name? Charlotte Church. Charlotte Church. Charlotte Church. And, That's right. 
And <laughs> yeah, appropriate name, that's true. Uh, and out of the uh, classical music world, uh, we left our, our, our bumper music coming out of that se- uh, second segment was, uh, a lot of folks Sting. probably didn't know, that was Sting talking about the book of numbers. <laughs> so we've moved from Sting to Charlotte <laughs> Church in, in classical music, a beautiful, beautiful voice. Um, like moving but, from Matthew to Numbers, though I, I don't know. And Matthew from <laughs> from Matthew to Numbers, yeah. Well, they, we're doing a lot of transitioning there. There's a tremendous broad scope. Uh, the Scripture speaking to every level and right. broad scope of human uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we were talking about that as we left our our second segment. Let's get back to Numbers. We mm-hmm. they're now traveling uh, north from Mount Sinai. Uh, God is leading them up and. Uh, let me see in chapter they 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 formalize the role of the uh a significant thing that takes place actually is um where what chapter is it in the chapter three the the tribe of levi the yes. the people of the of the tribal group of the levites uh the children one of the children of, of jacob mm-hmm. of israel uh, they were called by God to serve him and the nation substituting in a way for what other group uh, that God had claimed for himself back in Egypt. Some of you may remember back in Egypt said that God now owns the firstborn of every family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- that was the whole idea of, of the firstborn of every uh, family would die if they didn't have the uh, blood on the door mantle. Mm-hmm. And and that so God had purchased for himself through salvation there, the, the firstborn of every family. And, and he... Now he comes to this chapter three, mm-hmm. he replaces that claim on that firstborn group to be the the entire the tribe of the Levites are going to take on that role mm-hmm. of being fulfilling that that um obligation to God or that demand that God's right. making for the firstborn. It's it's a That was interesting to me. Yeah. It's a change. I was actually yeah. gonna ask you yeah. about uh, that. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little it's a it's a little Troublesome, and yet I and, and I haven't heard a great analysis of it yet. Yeah. Not troublesome in the I don't think yeah. in the why. Well, maybe in the why actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, not it. You know, some things I think in Joshua are troublesome, or or when the Levites were how they were chosen weren't the ones yes. that were called to kill or destroy those who had created the Remember that Moses and mm-hmm. Aaron and Miriam, they are all part of the uh, family of Levi, mm-hmm. Levites, mm-hmm. their descendants. And so, yeah, you're right. When the golden calf was created there at the base of Mount Sinai mm-hmm. and there was this, uh, this sin, this failure in yeah. the land, and it, and it, it was the Levites, their their mm-hmm. tribal uh, loyalty, I guess, came in, and they were the ones who were willing to stand up and go to war to battle to eliminate this idolatry. This right, uh, and they then became. So they were the, they were the they're the Levites. They existed as the Levites because uh-huh. it's just a lineage. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. their ancestors, I guess. Uh, but then, and then God chose them to serve in this way. After that happened, is that that is that my is my timing right? Yes, yes, yes. No, well, he they he revealed to them at that time that uh, they're going to be rewarded for that. Right. In some way, we looked at in numbers as as a as a group to to look out for the spiritual, giving some authority to look out for the spiritual mm-hmm. well being of the of the nation. 
but then here too, it builds on that and says okay. that here their specific role is going to be take care of the tabernacle uh, and the physical, you know, just the reparations and maintaining the tabernacle and supervising and superintending uh, the through doorkeepers and so on, supervising, superintending the, the worship process as right. people came to the tabernacle and later on the temple. Mm -hmm. So that was the Levites in general. There are actually uh, three, three groups, the Kohathites, uh, the Gershonites and the Merarites, Mer <laughs> uh, and uh, they and they describe each one of them have different functions oui. within yeah. that the responsibility generally of looking out for the spiritual well being of the nation, and it worked out ultimately that they also helped in the area of, of judging, helping to serve as part of the judicial processes. They looked out for diseases and for the corruption, in, uh, uh, just even physical diseases of the nation. And they w were superintending and supervising the, the worship process and uh, the choir, the doorkeepers, and so on. They were all part of them. Now, in the among the group of the Levites, with those three groups I just mentioned, they each had their different responsibilities. But then the priests, those who were direct descendants of Aaron, they then were, uh, they became the priesthood. In other words, not every not every Levite was a priest, but only those priest who came from the lineage of right. Aaron, but every priest was a Levite. Right. Okay. And so they, it is, but, and I'm the one who's kind of looking at this as the, this in a way replacing or substituting for the, for the First claim time. on the oldest child of every family. Mm -hmm. um, it is, but I, that's I've, I've read I about that to, and thought yeah, about that. So maybe it is a release from. I mean, part of it could be. I mean, in the past, there seemed to be a lot of drama wound up in the firstborn, or maybe it was just with uh, Esau and uh, Jacob. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. There was some emphasis on the firstborn. Maybe, Reuben was the firstborn. Okay, in, in, right. And among Joseph, the children of Israel, and there was that Jacob. tension between Reuben and just sort of Joseph claiming to be right. maybe more than Reuben. Yeah. Um, but Interesting. So maybe yeah, that's it's good. kind of God's way of sort of, hey, guys, I'm releasing you from and the Jacob firstborn And Jacob and Esau, <laughs> Esau was the elder, but Jacob was the one who mm -hmm. became the child and, right, of but, promise. And, mm -hmm. and, and the mm -hmm. it was his son Isaac. But through yeah. deception. And, yeah. Um, well, it, it's through deception was a part of the reality of the way it worked out, but it was announced even before they were born right. that he was going to. Your okay. uh, Rebecca was told your old your younger child your older child is going to serve your younger. The Maybe younger is going to be the way of God the sort of, of promise. restructuring those expectations in terms of just your even family dynamics yeah. and maybe your children and so maybe God's saying. That doesn't don't don't worry about that so much anymore. I don't know. I, I, I think don't. you're right. Yeah. I, I suspect that there is a clear understanding of that. That, that symbolically and really, there would be some really strong edifying thing to that. Uh, if you think about the idea of the firstborn here, it, it's real. It's true. I mean, that was something God said in the Word that mm -hmm. the firstborn that is now belongs to me. I'm going. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like He's making good on that claim then. Mm -hmm. uh, by the, the the Levites and then mm -hmm. letting them be that they chosen that. group. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, remember that 
the Messiah was the firstborn of him. Right, but he and, wasn't a Levite. Right, that's true. Yeah, his second cousin was. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know where we're going with that, but but no, his yeah, second it, cousin twice removed. Was, uh, maybe some, <laughs> maybe one of our listeners knows the answer to this and can help us understand it. But we see that put in place the Levites, uh, their role and their function, um, especially yeah. in, in the realm of worship. They were to yeah. be key, and uh, their first priority was to organize and maintain. Uh, the, the processes of worship, because worship is going to be central to the national experience uh, of the people. Uh, let me see if there's anything. Oh, we see in chapter uh, six, I think it is, that uh, this thing of a Nazarite vow, uh, what that was. In other words, if you weren't from the tribe of the Levites, but you felt God's call to ministry to to help to do something to bear a message or to leave, um, and you wanted to dedicate, you would take what is called a Nazarite vow, mm-hmm. and that would involve um, a certain thing: no drinking of alcohol, never cutting your hair. Um, we know that uh, Samson was one, for example. We know was uh, took the Nazarite vow; his parents did for him, and uh, we know that John the Baptist. Uh, his parents were Levites, but he also, um, what? No, I'm. He's an yeah. Essene. He Is might have been. I mean, the, yeah, he had the Nazarite vow as well. He, he, am I thinking wrong? Uh, now I wonder if Jesus might part of his might not have been a Nazarite vow. Remember, he presented himself as he opened his ministry to John the Baptist for mm-hmm. purification and all. And we're not always told exactly that each one, this was a nice right vow. Uh, the ones we know about, I think, are Samuel, uh, I mean, Samson, uh, Samuel, I believe, too. I believe. <laughs> Samuel, Samson, and, and then, of course, um, John the Baptist, I believe, okay. clearly defined as that. There may have been others that was part of their experience, but it wasn't named. Uh, Probably the most... Fame, familiar fame would be Samson to me. At least I think that because that was seems, very clearly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stated that what he had done and the, and the hair. I guess you think of Samson <laughs> yeah, and his hair. hair yeah. so. <laughs> uh, well, so we saw that put in place in chapter uh, six. It is uh, the three requirements: no alcohol, no cutting the hair, and no approaching or touching a dead body. Which. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, I guess if you're a battling war, you wouldn't. I, I don't know how that would relate to their lives, but uh, that, well, well, that was part of pur- purification. Even part of you pure. can become uh, mm-hmm. unkosher. And yeah. Impure means we make it sometimes think it's sin, but no, yeah. impurity would just you know uh, it's part of human yeah, the humanity yeah. and the human condition is how yeah. I've kind of. And so uh, recognizing that humans are inherently have an impurity about them and at least trying to respect that God is a holy God. And so attempting yeah. to be and, pure yeah. and to respect that is. is and what the God process was in place for you to do that. It right. may relate right. a little, little bit to us as God's children. Right. We still sin. We fall into temptation or we right. we're growing. Sometimes we. We find out something I've been doing for a long time. Oh, man, that's wrong. There's a uh, conviction. And, and, and it may relate a little bit to the idea of confession and cleansing of sin as right. believers. Right, yes. uh, it, it would be a, at least somewhat a picture sure, of that. Yes. But that's uh, the experience of the Nazarite vow. Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist are three that we know. Mm. 
Let's see here. Uh, oh, we heard this, the, in chapter six. We also read the uh, this this benediction. This kind of a famous benediction that that uh, Aaron was commanded to yeah. bless the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. May the Lord. Uh, bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor favor, and give you peace. Uh, that, that benediction and blessing that Aaron was pronoun- pronounced over uh, as the chief priest, the high priest, over the people of Israel. Um, what else? <laughs> we see a great offering taken for uh, the... Uh, for the Levites, that's one thing we see. The Levites are not going to receive an allotment of land when they move into. The, they're going to. They're, they will have cities and places they can live, but they will not have a allotment of land to to grow their crops and to. Right. They're they're not going to make their living from their crops and from their herds. They're they're going. They will live from the offerings, the voluntary offerings that the other tribes mm-hmm. bring in in the worship. And so they would, uh, they so that they could give their attention totally and entirely to, to their ministry calling right. to the nation. You know what it reminds me, and maybe this goes back to the firstborn conversation in the Levi. But you see the you would think that this position of sort of firstborn representation and would be very powerful and would have the most land allotted to them. Uh-huh. But it's really kind of opposite. Interesting, isn't it's it? a very yeah. their roles are very servant hearted and very the the least and dependent as opposed it's to your, being it, in, it's your role and your joy to serve mm-hmm. all and the so others. It kind of Interesting. Yeah, it related to the how Jesus says he changed the you know the yeah. the the power well, structure first, is exactly that, yeah. the upside mm-hmm. down. Kingdom. Interesting, yeah, it is a very good picture of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very good, Stacy. That's oh. why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, well, that's a, and that's a good lesson. Generally, is comparing scripture to scripture and, and linking uh, the testaments, knowing that they are linked. There are these. We're not. You are not just making up. They've been observed and 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 passed and taught in scripture sometimes. This was a fulfillment of this particular thing in the old. And so we can see those those uh, comparisons, as, learn those lessons as well. We um, see the, the furnishings in the tabernacle are mentioned, uh, the gold menorah, for example. Yeah. Um, what else was uh, just things are put in place for worship as they move out now. Priorities in place, the priority of worship, the relationship with God is primary. Um and uh, they start their move up. They celebrate. Um, they celebrate for the second time the Passover just before they move out yeah. uh, in chapter nine. Just before they move out to go up to Canaan, so they're ready to go. They're ready to go and take God at His promise and go back into the promised land, and uh, you know, continue on this wonderful plan of victory and. Uh, walk of faith that God has for them, and <laughs> oh, really, they, and then of course uh, it kind of goes south on them. They, <laughs> the plan, the plan didn't blow up, but they they didn't make it through. And we'll yeah. continue to read about as we make our way through the the rest of the book of Numbers this coming week. We'll pick up there in chapter eleven of the book of Numbers, and you'll read about why they didn't go in, 
why they didn't go into the, the land of Israel and so on, uh, what, how they failed, and how that relates to our lives individually. Right. And, and maybe we, we could end our, this segment at, in our consideration of these opening chapters. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of ask you what, what broad on the broad level of lessons. Now there's some individual lessons we're going to watch here, Mm -hmm. individual things that happen. They struggle with the role of authority that Moses and Mm -hmm. has even his sister and, and, uh, Miriam, Miriam and others compete for They're jealous of Moses and Aaron and the Mm -hmm. the authority and the power they're exercising it in their roles. And God has to kind of clarify that, no, this is what I want. And this, I have called him to be this and do that. We see some miraculous things. God makes it clear who he is called to be the leaders in this moment. Um, and, and the process is uh, they're, they're beginning to work out now these new processes, the, the new holidays, the, these special days of yes. festivals. I so, love that. All of that. There's concession for if you're not ceremonially clean on the Passover well. You just celebrate it a month later. A month later, and it gives you time to... <laughs> it's so practical. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And numbers is almost tedious in that yeah, way. Yeah. Very, but anyway, continue. Yeah, no, no, that's great. Yeah. That is exactly a perfect example of what they're going through now. We have the Big Ten. We have mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments. Uh, right. and, and now, and, and Moses has begun to flesh out those right. into specific policies mm-hmm. and laws and rules that they would follow. Uh, and... and they're still going through that. They're still learning, applying, seeing how does this work in our culture and our, how are we going to work out that principle into our relationships? Day day, yeah. yeah, day to day. So that, that's, that's the process we're in. And uh, it is not, it, it can be tedious, but if you understand that, as we're given this background, I think you, the reading of, of, of the book of Numbers can be very, very helpful. Because we have to do the same thing today. We take the laws and principles God has given. We need. We have to learn how, how do we how do we flesh that out as a people group, as well, a nation. And it's most. I think it's especially interesting when you remember that this is your. This is now your history. This is now your. If I, I mean, just maybe I'm reading this through kind of a different perspective with the thought of me researching your genealogy and mm-hmm. trying to go back. And it's fascinating. In fact, and it is fascinating to people. I think we've lost it a little bit in this day and age, but there's a new show on PBS that is about tracing genealogies. There might be a recurrence now of, you know, ancestry.com. There was, and yeah, there was kind of a to, strong movement of that. Yes, of trying to figure out your head. And it's when you go and, I mean, you can go deep, deep dive online and try to read about your time and what the Mescalero or Apache were mm-hmm. doing and how they lived, you know, a hundred years ago. Yeah. What were their values? Right. What, what were the principles yes. they followed? What things can we learn maybe uh-huh. from them? And it's when I read that or think of that, knowing that maybe one of them was actually you, my great, great, great grandfather or mm-hmm. something, it takes on a really a much sweeter kind of personal interesting and it may note. have been it may have been a godly uh, right. uh for example you mentioned geronimo uh, some people don't know he was not actually a chief that was not his primary he was a, a leader of course okay. but he he was a medicine man oh, he was a spiritual leader of, oh. that was his that oh. was his status right, right. I obviously became a leader mm-hmm. men followed him and and so on 
but his primary identity was as a spiritual leader. And that, so it, it's very possible our great, our great grandfathers or our, someone down the, up the line from us prayed for us or prayed for their children right, right. Or it's in, and God is honoring their prayer now through our lives. And maybe. so something that made of, might have been tedious, though, to read about if I didn't have any real connection to it changes completely when I realize that is where I come it's from. part of your story. And that's kind of the book of Numbers, too. And some of these, you know, Leviticus, it can be tedious. But when you remember this is you, now your history, we are this part is of this. part of it, it can take on a real what a great reminder yeah. that really is a great mm -hmm. reminder and that and and it helps give an area and level of motivation yeah. to our understanding of some of these, some of these. they're not just some book two thousand years old right. wow what does it matter yeah. we are part of this process right. we're we're uh we are now part of israel yeah. and, and the new testament actually teaches that we've been grafted in now to the the big vision of israel god's people mm -hmm. Great, Stacy. That was wonderful. I enjoyed the conversation and the visit tonight. I hope our listeners did too as well and were encouraged and edified. Uh, we will see you next Sunday evening as we continue our way through the book of Numbers here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 